Chapter Sixteen of Bill Nye's Cordwood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Bill Nye's Cordwood by Bill Nye. Chapter Sixteen. Bill Nye preparing a political speech in advance for a time of need. September One. I have just been preparing a speech for tomorrow evening at our convention. It is a good speech, and will take well. It is also sincere. I will give the outlines of the speech here, so that in case I should die or slip up on a stenographer, the basis of my remarks may not perish. Fellow citizens, you have seen fit to renominate me for the office which I have held one term already, viz., Member of Congress from this district. As you are aware, I am a self-made man. I have carved out my own career from the ground up, as I may say, till today I am your nominee for the second time. What we want these days is not so much men of marked ability as candidates, but available, careful, and judicious men. We are too apt to strive for the nomination of brilliant men of pronounced opinions, when we must need men who can be easily elected. Of what avail is a man of genius and education and robust brains and earnest convictions if we cannot elect him? He is simply a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Therefore I would say to the youth of America, could they stand before me today, do not strive too hard or strain yourselves by endeavoring to attain some object after you are elected to office. Let your earnest convictions remain dormant. Should a man have convictions these days, let him reserve them for his use in his own family. They are not necessary in politics. If a member of Congress must have a conviction and earnestly feels as though he could not possibly get along another day without it, let him go to the grand jury and make a clean breast of it. I may say, fellow citizens, without egotism, that I have been judicious both in the heat of the campaign and in the halls of legislation. I have done nothing that could disrupt the party or weaken our vote in this district. It is better to do nothing than to do things that will be injurious to the interests of the majority. What do you care, gentlemen, for what I said or did in our great session of last winter, so long as I came home to you with a solidified vote for this fall, so long as I have not trodden on the toes of the Irish, the German, the Scandinavian, the Prohibitionist, the female suffragist, the anti-Mormon, or the international copyright crank. Let us be frank with each other, fellow citizens. Do you ask me on my return to you how many speeches my private secretary and the public printer attached my name to? Or how many packages of fly-blown turnip seed I sent to you during the last two years? No. You ask yourself how is the vote of our party this fall as compared with two years ago? And I answer that not a vote has been mislaid or a ballot erased. I have done nothing and said nothing that a carping constituency could get hold of. Though I was never in Congress before, old members envied me the long, blank, evasive, and irreproachable record I have made. No man can say that even under the stimulating influence of the wine cup I have given utterance in the last two years to anything that could be distorted into an opinion. And so today I come back to you and find my party harmonious, while others return to their homes to be greeted by a disrupted constituency over whose ruins the ever-alert adversary clambers to success. So I say to you tonight, Mr. President and gentlemen of the Convention, 
let us leave to the newspapers the expression of what we call earnest convictions convictions that arise up in after years to belt us across the face and eyes let injudicious young men talk about that kind of groceries but the wary self-made politician who succeeds does not do that way it seems odd to me that young men will go on year after year trying to attain distinction by giving utterance to opinions when they can see for themselves that we do not want such men for any place whatever from jurymen to congressmen if you examine my record for the last session for instance you will not find that i spent the day pounding my desk with an autograph album and filling the air with violent utterances pro or con and then set up nights to get myself interviewed by the disturbing elements of the press no sir i am not a disturber a radical or a disruptor at washington i am a healer and at home in my ward i am also a healer what america wants today is not so much a larger number of high-browed men who will get up on their hind feet and call on heaven to paralyze their right arms before they will do a wrong act or ask to have their tongues nailed to the ridge-pole of their mouths rather than utter a false or dangerous doctrine that was customary when the country was new and infested with bears when men carried their guns to church with them and drank bay rum as a beverage these remarks made good pieces for boys to speak but they will not do now what this country needs is a congress about as equally balanced as possible politically so that when one side walks up and smells of an appropriation the other can growl in a low tone of voice from december till dog days in this way by a pleasing system of postponements previous questions points of order reference to committees laying on the table and general oblivion a great deal may be evaded and people at home who do not closely read and remember the congressional record will not know who was to blame judicious inertness and a gentle air of evasion will do much to prevent party dissension i have done that way and i look for the same old majority that we had at the former election i often wonder if daniel webster would have the nerve to get up and talk as freely about things now as he used to when politics had not reached the present state of perfection we often hear people ask why we haven't got any websters in congress now i can tell you they are sat down on long before they get that far along they are not encouraged to say radical things and split up the vote i will now close thanking you for your kind preferment i will ever strive while representing you in congress to retain my following and never by word or deed endeavor to win fame and applause there at the expense of votes at home i care not to be embalmed in the school speakers and declaimers of future ages provided my tombstone shall bear upon it the simple poetic refrain he got there end of chapter 16 recording by philip gould